You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 529, looking back at Glastonbury in 1971, bands with swagger versus nice girls and boys, and farewell brown sugar, we have more songs to cancel. That's all coming up after Shed 7 and Getting Better.
another of those bands that peaked in the 1990s, but who tend to be a little forgotten these days. But 15 consecutive top 40 singles from 1994 through to 2003. This from 1996, number 14 in the UK, Shed 7 and Getting Better. I find that song very invigorating and uplifting. I must admit, good choice to start our podcast, I think. Obviously, the two of us are invigorating and uplifting in our own right, but it's always nice to make that to make that point through music. And yes, I agree. Lots of those Britpop style bands are sort of written off a bit now as being unfashionable, but you forget just how successful they were. I mean, I, I knew they'd had hits, obviously, and I, you know, I bought some of them at the time, but I had no idea. Did you say 15 consecutive? 15 in top, consecutive in a row. Top 40. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, I mean, that is epic, years. isn't it? It. that's yeah. that's really you know that's and, and they're still going i think and they're they still, are yeah there's still a market yeah. for a lot of this yeah. brit pop revival stuff i mean sleeper are growing great guns having yes. only reformed a few years ago it's, it's interesting that a lot of people you know some of the broadsheet journalists are a bit snooty about some aspects of brit pop particularly the sort of the more lad what you'd say the more laddish end but there's mm. still a huge market for this mm. there's still you know these sort of brit pop revival tours the star-shaped brand is huge they have festivals they have club nights everywhere and it's still really popular absolutely and um i mean with with so many of them I, you know, I just, I just love it. The, these sort of runs of singles. I'm personally, yeah. I'm not listening to all their albums all the time, but I no. just love those little fragments, those little moments in time where you can sort of remember. Oh, I remember hearing that on the radio, exactly. or I bought that exactly. as a single, or whatever. And uh, it just still resonates. That- Exactly. There are certain bands that suit the kind of greatest hits mm. uh, environment much better. Absolutely. Hilariously, there is more than one Best of Shed 7 available, which Come in itself is out. quite entertaining. Yeah. But I would, if you're into that, I would recommend for you and for wider listeners, there's a Best of called Going for Gold, which has got all of their, their sort of singles. And it is a very snazzy gold sort of sleeve and, and things. But yes, that 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 that's a great compilation. That works really well, I think. Welcome to episode 529 of the Parish Council. Gosh, I, uh, <laughs> still here. Still here. <laughs> I'm Terence Stackham. And even more exciting than the return of Succession, it's the return of Juliet Harris. <laughs> I've, I've yet to watch an episode of Succession oh, because I'm not on the, I know, I'm not on the Sky kind of bus really, but I will, I will try and investigate it because everyone I know whose opinions I trust and whose tastes I like go on about how crazily good it is. So, so I will definitely check that out. But in the meantime, hi, everyone. <laughs> I've been to the Glastonbury Festival a couple of times, once mm. just before the big security wall was yes. erected and once just afterwards. And I can promise that the that after the building of the wall was yes. a more enjoyable and safer experience. <laughs> um, neither of my visits, though, are comparable to the Glastonbury Festival back in 1971 when it was called the Glastonbury Fair, F-A-Y-R-E, mm. of course, F-A-Y-R-E. Um, only a few thousand were there and it was free to um, mm. to go. And this week we've been watching a film through Amazon Prime that uh, captured the events 50, of 50 years mm. ago. In some ways, I felt it could quite easily have been 1871. And in other <laughs> ways, nothing has changed at all. Mm. Um, some of the shots of the crowd, there was a sort of demented delirium that reminded me a bit of Summer Isle and the Wicker Man. But there was a, a typical 1970s festival lineup, including Melanie, who mm. sang Peace Will Come with such a foghorn voice that I imagined there were, there were concerns for ships in the Bristol Channel. <laughs> um, Jules, 13 years before you were born, 
How much did mm. you recognise and how much did you enjoy Glastonbury Fair 1971? I enjoyed this film very much. Thank you ever so much for choosing it. It was it was really good. And what I enjoyed about the film itself, compared to sort of modern modern things, I know that we've watched some things that I've really enjoyed, particularly that, that um, Bee Gees documentary we watched oh, that was yes. brilliant yeah. with fantastic talking heads. What I enjoyed about this, there was no narration, and there was no talking heads. I didn't have someone. I didn't have some modern TV presenter telling me how much they loved Glastonbury. I didn't. I wasn't told what to think at any point whilst watching this. Um, and I, and as a result of which, I felt like I was really there. I found it really immersive in a way that, although we have watched some great documentaries of that of that sort of talking heads narration style, I really thought it was wonderful that that I could just watch this and it was just happening. And and you know, I wasn't told how to feel. I quite enjoyed the fact that often it took me a while to work out who people actually were. <laughs> I thought I just I just really I felt like I was sort of there, kind of trying to trying for things to unfold in my own time. And as a result of which, I thought it was a very atmospheric film and really interesting. And I thought, like you say, there was this this lovely sort of mix of... I mean, the, the performances were fantastic. There were so many performances in it that I thought were so good because... Yeah, we didn't have the digital surround sound that we have now. You know, we didn't have the 500 plus BBC crew recording mm-hmm. everything in great detail. But having said that, I, the fact that the sound was a little bit duff in places, again, I felt like I was there. You know, yeah. I, 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 I thought it was really energetic and, and sort of and everyone seemed to be playing out of their skin. But you didn't have that. I mean, I'm going to single out Joe Wiley. I do like her. But you didn't have people like Joe Wiley telling us, oh, you know, this is a really special experience for bands. And, you know, this is big Glastonbury moments. I didn't need to be told. We weren't. We wasn't continually prattled on about that they were big Glastonbury moments. They just. It was. It was. You know, it was a moment that I didn't need to be told about because they were literally. There were bands just literally banging out these songs. A Terry Reid's performance at the beginning, and then when they brought Linda Lewis, who was just wonderful, on with him. That was so good. And yet, yeah. you know, it wasn't. It wasn't overegged. It wasn't made up to be a big thing. It was just spontaneous and great. And I thought that was that was really good. It was it was hilarious how the sort of the you got the sense of the naivety of the festival and how sort of special it was genuinely when it first started. I very much enjoyed the security announcement along the, on the stage along the lines <laughs> of it would be really groovy if you couldn't walk through the corn please thanks very much because <laughs> you know i liked yes. the fact that it genuinely was on a farm there were various yeah. chickens that made appearances some on stage at various points in time and you could see the roots of where the sort of the idealism of glastonbury where the ideals of glastonbury and its morals are still there there was the bloke with the chicken and the cardboard sign saying not to eat animals and that bloke with the chicken and the cardboard sign saying not to eat animals is now about 10 vegan catering trucks isn't he so you can kind of see how <laughs> it's sort yes. of how it kind of started yeah. off to where we are now so in that sense although things might have changed a bit the ideals are still very much the same um i i enjoyed the um the, the, the sort of the posh promoters on the phone trying to yes. sort of yeah the chap having the long the long conversation with melanie saying uh, it's, a, it's a bit muddy down here have you got some boots with you and it's just so i loved the understatement I he kept the... referring to glastonbury yes i know and you know who else used to do that tony ben 
when talking <laughs> in the political fields used to call it Glastonbury, which always used to make me chuckle in a slightly mean way. But anyway, I am um, I, I enjoyed that the, the other parallels. You could argue that although it is much, much more corporate now, um, you know, it's it's a different beast, you would say, to the original. Some of the ideals were still here there. In the the Harry Krishnas, were they wheeled up sort of about an hour in and you had the um Oh, I can't remember the expression, uh, the Maharishi uh, or whoever it was on on stage mm. that giving his talk. And of course, Dalai Lama appeared at Glastonbury two or three years ago. So so there's still that sort of thread that runs through it, I think. Part of me sort of misses the, the slightly chaotic days of, you know, I, I enjoyed the, the people that were sat on the van with a sign asking if they could have some bread because they were desperate for some bread. And I do think, well, you know, I, it, it felt, I, I then again thought of all the thousands of catering trucks that would be there now and and just thought, thought that, made, that made me chuckle a bit, I must admit. The, the chaos of the sort of the extreme, I mean, the nudity on stage, I don't think would happen now. I think, I think that would be... It's a much more the, the the music operation is much more together, isn't it? I don't think you would have half naked shrieking people on stage with guitars now. Uh, the, the extensive nudity in the crowd, you might have some of that now, I must admit. Mm. But um, I, I thought it was an incredibly atmospheric film. And like you say, it's interesting to think about what's the same and what's different and in drawing drawing lines from you know the bloke with the chicken and the vegan catering trucks <laughs> I, um, I I thought it was I thought it was an incredibly atmospheric film and I think it could teach a lot of modern filmmakers that less really is more absolutely I mean I, I really love this I, I thought the, the two best musical performances bookended the film the, the wonderful yes. as you mentioned Terry Reid that superb. was so good looked it? like the coolest dude on the planet in 1971 he really did with uh, Linda Lewis as you say accompaniment and then right at the end traffic with a wonderful yes. performance from 23 year old Stevie Winwood. I know um, but then in between, yeah, lots of weirdness and lots of things to enjoy. Uh, Fairport Convention, family. Arthur Brown, I thought, proving why he was a one-hit wonder. Yes, quite. And, um, that was that was the sort of the um, that was the kind of the peak. And I liked the contrast between people genuinely experiencing the spiritualness of the sunsets and the sunrises yes. and the tour, and then that absolute sort of mayhem erupting around Arthur Brown and you yes. know his face paint and the sort of shamanism. That was that was a lovely contrast. I thought. We had perennial festival botherers in the 1970s quintessence with their shouty Notting Hill uh, solipsisms and and, and banging percussion. But I I mainly, I only really enjoyed everything we saw away from the music. There were separately two elderly ladies and two blokes in suits wandered through the crowd yes, I, they were who never, the hell were they the thing that I love about loved about it was because there was no narration lots of this was never explained no, and it just right. sort of happened and I thought that was great I mean uh, they were probably like local town councillors or something weren't they? Probably, sort of local, yes, local yes. notables that were <laughs> popping down to check out what yes. was happening at the festival uh, uh, yes, the Maharishi fellow with the squeaky voice. Um, the, the, the stage being <laughs> built from rather ad hoc. We saw the stage yes. being built at the beginning yeah, of the ad hoc stage, scaffolding. Yeah. Yes, uh, not a care for health and safety. And, uh, no, it was, it was all very. Um, there wasn't there someone smoking a fag and hammering at the same time or something? <laughs> it did, it did yes. all look rather cash, didn't it? Was it was the first year of the pyramid stage, and it was crafted out of like really thin plastic sheeting. And but the thing that struck me throughout was 
was that the stage was way, way too high. The yes, audience was. were like craning their necks to see what was going on up there. But uh, two clips were were, were my favourites. Um, right at the start, right at the beginning of this film, a lovely young woman um, singing to herself as she arrived. Yes, that was said, lovely, oh, no, no, wasn't no, no, it? No, no. Yeah, yeah. It was lovely. And the notion that she will be in her 70s now. Um, no, oh, know. I mean, God, <laughs> you're right. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> and some the other thing that I really liked, some very sweet but brief shots of Glastonbury tour at dawn. It just looked lovely. Yes. It did. And, I, and I, I've never been to Glastonbury Festival, but I have been to Glastonbury, uh, the town itself, and I have mm. been up Glastonbury tour. Mm. And there is something about it. You can't explain it, but there is I something agree. about mm. about that area that is just really magical and really special. And actually, this this made me think this um, this sort of documentary. Is there a way of getting back to the roots of that? Or has the festival become such a sort of a behemoth now that it's 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 difficult for, you know, you, you can't imagine a time when people could just wander around. And, yeah, there are dangers to that. And I some of the sort of hippie people that were wheeling around, a small part of me, as much as I admired them being able to do so, a small part of me worried as to whether they were now acid casualties somewhere and not having a very nice time. But, you know, it was it was there. Yeah, it was it was a very special film. And I think it really captured because it was made so contemporaneously as well, wasn't it? So so I think that's what gave it its freshness and its excellence. It wasn't being made with the kind of the the benefit, but also the burden of time and hindsight. It was just a snapshot of what it was like at that time. So we didn't have all these kind of talking heads intoning about sort of what, what it meant in the, con- like I'm doing now, what it meant in context of the last 40 years. It was just, it, it was really spontaneous and free because it was made, you know, it wasn't made with someone else's agenda. It seemed to capture what the festival was like at the time before everyone knew how big it was going to be. It was just a documentary record and that's what makes it so brilliant. Well, Nicholas Rogue's film, Glastonbury Fair, it's available on Amazon Prime. And as Juliet said, note, it does have some non-threatening um, nudity <laughs> in it. If, uh, it, well, it, it whether or not it's non-threatening depends on how strong your stomach is. But <laughs> if you haven't got Amazon Prime, it's also available on the uh, BFI player. Is and it, it It is. And you can subscribe for free for 14 days. And then after that, it's 4 99 a month. But I would recommend it because there is loads of brilliant stuff on there most of the stuff we watched the polystyrene film was i think on there as well there are i would recommend it there are some fantastic i don't get paid by the way but there are some fantastic documentaries on there it is it is i know it's it's able to have you're able to have infinite subscriptions at the moment but if you're not on amazon prime but you do want to subscribe to something i would recommend the bfi Oh, good info. Thank you. Right. Coming next, Bands with Swagger versus Nice Boys and Girls. <laughs> uh, that's right after Glastonbury Revisited Cosmic Rough Riders.
such a lovely track and somehow it seems to work as a bridge between the festival going experience of the early 70s and mm. through to today. From the year 2000 and the marvellous album Enjoy the Melodic Sunshine, Cosmic Rough Riders and Glastonbury Revisited. It's such a, a neglected and underrated band, Cosmic Rough Riders. They mm. seem to fall at that time they're releasing records they seem to fall between stools in that that i don't know they they weren't brit pop particularly and brit pop the finish they weren't dancey and yet they were a little bit too weird to fall into the sort of the Coldplay and travis type market and i think it's a shame that they've been neglected for so long because i think they were and yet they weren't as weird as the beta band so they didn't quite they didn't quite sort of have a place which is a shame really because they've made some really lovely records uh, absolutely agree. Uh, it's, it's always seemed peculiar to me that back in 1963, 64, mm. 65, particularly when the Fleet Street Press and TV and radio started to really cover pop music, there was this... Uh, predilection for presenting the Beatles as the good boys in their suits and their cheeky but you know safe sense of humor and the Rolling Stones were the opposite they're opposites bad Mm. lads scruffy a bit threatening yeah yet Mick Jagger's dad was a teacher his mum was actively involved with the Conservative Party and Jagger (laughs) himself he went to Dartford Grammar yes and the London School of Economics Brian Jones went to Cheltenham Grammar School and played yes, clarinet quite. in the school orchestra. Keith Richards <laughs> sang in a choir at Westminster Abbey. Yet they were the bothersome scruffs, whilst grannies found Paul and Ringo so endearing. So I'm wondering how artists um, end up in either of these camps of angels or devils. You know, you've got troublemakers, and that'll be like Missy Elliott, Oasis, mm. Janis Joplin, The Who, Peacemakers, Carol King. Coldplay, Elbow, Kate Bush. Jules, how is it that some artists are seen as swaggering through life while others are perceived to be working on their embroidery? This is such an interesting question and I almost don't know where to start with it. But where I will start is that's interesting that you put Kate Bush as being sort of in the nice gang. Because mm. some of the, the some of the music that Kate Bush made, particularly her, her debut single, Wuthering Heights, she's quite unhinged when performing <laughs> that. And the sort of the dance music, and I mean that nicely, but you know, the dance moves and the sort of the really weird all over the place high vocal. The fact that she's, she's I suppose she's, uh, weirdly, the character she's playing Kathy you could argue was both good and bad in 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 Wuthering Heights depending on how you 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 sort of want to interpret that and yet like you say she's sort of become a slightly elder stateswoman of 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 kind of rock I think lots of people go on journeys over time Patty Smith would have been seen as completely wild when she was younger yet now she's seen as this sort of elder stateswoman I think the longer you stick around the less threatening you become I mean even Liam Gallagher seems to have sort of slightly slightly devolved into a sort of you know people were sort of uh, he's seen as entertaining now I think he's mm. but yet benignly non-threatening his uh, his sort of occasional outbursts um the uh, unfortunately the family nature of this podcast means I cannot give the quote in full but um there was recently Noel Gallagher was having a question and answer session that was advertised on Instagram saying does anybody have a question for Noel about his new album does anybody have a question for Noel to which Liam Gallagher replied and said yes why 
are you such a <laughs> account? Which is really, really entertaining. So, so like you say, there is, there is, it's interesting, isn't it? And, and to what extent are we saying that people are bad in behaviour? Because there's certain bad behaviour. For example, people really, when Phil Spector died, people really troubled, I think, particularly men of my acquaintance, as to nicer men, as to what to say about mm. it. There are certain levels of bad behaviour that go beyond you know, beyond the pale, but there's a, there's a certain threshold that's able to be tolerated, isn't there? I'm not really sure if anyone sets out with a, perhaps now they do. In the past, I'm not sure if anyone set out with a plan at the beginning of their sort of career. I, I always thought, I was very interested in that quote from Chris Martin from Coldplay quite early on, where they were always kind of, you know, that they, they the certain aspects of the indie community saw them as, you know, well, they're too wet and they're too nice. I suspect 21 years in when they're still releasing wildly successful albums mm. and having big world tours Coldplay may feel they've had the last laugh but I remember <laughs> Chris Martin saying at the time that he was quoted as saying that he felt that Coldplay were punk rock because punk rock meant doing whatever you wanted in line with your own ideals and not necessarily being sort of sucked into what was cool or what was kind of seen as the mainstream of the day and he felt that's what Coldplay did and I think he's absolutely right so it's it's interesting that we see people as being nice yet in a way perhaps being nice or being perceived as being nice or non-threatening as Coldplay are gives you the space in which to be able to do your own thing and make your own records that how you want to I'm not sure Juliet, it's been a week or two since we had a quick fire quiz. Yes, uh, it for has. You that you didn't I, I, know was, was coming. I was starting to relax, and therefore the part of my brain that was relaxing was being told by the other part of my brain yeah. that this was an error and that You've, I would soon be called back yeah. into service. And You've indeed, relaxed too our, soon. our fellow listeners, and we will all be called back yes. into service. So you're, come you're, on, gang, once more into the breach. Um, it's a quick, one, quick, a quick fire quiz for you, um, uh, Jules, as I ask you to identify if these artists. <laughs> Are angels or devils? Are they Dennis the Menace or Walter the Softy? Are they leather-clad swaggerers or corduroy trouser-wearing smoothies? I mean, the corduroy trouser-wearing people are obviously my people. So, so let's there see. There we are. So it's quick fire quiz. I want to know. Uh-huh. I've got the right answer, of course. Um, you know whether these. People I, I mean, are. I'm interested to see what the metric is for this being the right answer. I must admit, this is uh, this is a very nebulous quiz. But let's, which I, this, which is otherwise known as me getting my excuses in early. But let's go on. Are these people an angel or a devil? Mm. Rage against the machine. Oh, they're devils, aren't they? With their shouty performance on Five Live, yes. That's it. They swore at Sheila Fogarty on Five Live. They (laughs) did. Honestly, I mean, that should be, that should bring back the death penalty. No one should be allowed to swear at Sheila Fogarty. James Dean Bradfield. Oh, now that's interesting. I think he's gone on a journey over time because yes. back once upon a time, the Manic Street Preacher would have been seen as being very bad. Yes. But now James Dean Bradfield is a sort of a, a cuddly kind of dad, isn't he? So I'll say nice for him in his Two out of two, correct. You yeah. um, too. Well, I... I have personal issues with Bono. We've never met. I just don't like his persona. But I suppose they're seen as being nice, aren't they, with all the charity Three out of three. Done. Three out of three. PJ Harvey. Oh, now so so obviously she's. I feel she's very nice, and yeah. she she seems to keep herself from a remove. But having said that, she has attracted the ire of people like Petter, the uh, animal rights people, mm. for some of the statements she's been quoted as making. She has come out in support of Assange, um, which obviously I'm not hugely keen on. So I I feel she may be seen as being subversive. 
first one you've got wrong she's still oh. an angel if you brought her, if you were walking down the street yeah and you had your you know elderly grandmother with you and you said oh well, she granny, is- there's PJ Harvey. I think yes. she would come over and be nice, be nice. and shake hands. Probably. And she is PJ Harvey MBE as well. Yes, so, exactly. uh, so yes, I, it, it depends. This is, you know, it depends what one's views are, I suppose, really. Paul Weller. Oh, he's 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 the, the grandfather mod now, isn't he? So see, he's seen nowadays as being nice, I presume. Correct. Still only one wrong. Nirvana. <sighs> I mean, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Yeah, because St. Kurt is now St. Kurt, isn't he? But yeah. it, so, so it's been when they were first around, they would have been seen as Hellraisers, I think. We'll but nowadays, yeah, but in which case, then, well, let's go, for, let's go for sort of bad, bad yeah, people bad then. Voice. And then now, yeah. of course, you know, St. Kurt has been has been venerated and Dave Grohl is officially the nicest man in rock. So nowadays exactly. they are nice. But at the time, they would not be seen as being nice. So you've got five out of six so far. <laughs> Four more to go. Pink Floyd. I mean, when? Nineteen seventies Pink Floyd. Um, they were probably. Oh gosh, well, how would they would have been seen then? Because nowadays, of course, I associate them with having played at Live Eight and and you know being being decent. I suppose they would have been seen as nice because they weren't yes. punk. Well, upper yeah. class boys yeah. in good yeah. schools. Madonna. Oh, um, she would have been seen in the 80s and 90s as being trouble, I suspect, because of all the erotic stuff. So I'll say not nice. Correct. Two to go. Donna Summer. I mean, so, so at the time she would have been seen as being decent, although can I just use this as my opportunity to put on record that mm. I'm very cross about the way in which she treated the gay community who were her, uh, you know, her, her sort of fans with some go with your statement. Let's say she's nice. Yeah. No, no. Oh, she's not nice. Oh, yes. Okay, nasty. Boo. (laughs) boo. And had a record, Bad Girls. So that tells you. Oh, I see. And also, the grunts on I Feel Love got banned by the BBC. Very much. So, yeah. I'm going to give you that one because I think uh, you you wanted to say bad, but you were trying to be kind. And (laughs) finally, probably the easiest one of the lot, Courtney Love. But, well, again, I see her as being heroic, but I think that society oh, in general sees her as being a very bad person. So let's say bad. Nine out of ten. You did very well. well. I mean, uh, considering that that quiz had no real metric amongst against which one could <laughs> measure, given it was just your head, I think. I think that yes. was not bad. <laughs> well, quiz time isn't quite over, Jules, because... Oh. Now we've got to play. There's only three of these, by the way. Oh, um, thank God. <laughs> also judged from within my head. Um, a, a quick fire quiz. Uh, e- it's called Either Or. Uh, uh, three scenarios. Who would you choose from Rock's illustrious heritage <laughs> and you, the audience, as well? Who would you choose? Yes. Go on, In guys. these scenarios. OK, so I'll explain. You'll get it after we see that how the first okay. one works. Yeah. You're invited to tea at Highgrove with Ooh. Prince Charles and Camilla. A very likely situation, obviously. I was going so to say, I have, I have got this. my suit dry cleaned in case. So, yeah, exactly. that sounds good. so you're invited to tea at Highgrove, Prince Charles, Camilla, and you can take only one guest with you. Oh, OK. But it can only be either Patty Smith or Ooh. Dave Grohl. Who do you take? I mean, obviously, an afternoon with Patty Smith would very much be my goal, I think. You'd have a wonderful time. However, in the plushness of Highgrove, 
I, I feel Dave Grohl will probably be a better guest because he is the nicest man in rock and he will probably have a better sense of... of, of oh yeah, so I think I'd take Dave Grohl with me. It's the correct answer because uh, Patty Smith, she'd spit on the floor. <laughs> um, it is Dave Grohl. Though, of course, there is the danger that he might bring his daughters along with him uh, oh, you yeah, know, yes. to, to perform. Um, but you're <laughs> correct there. Right. Situation two out of three. You're going on holiday to lovely Magaluf in Mallorca. Oh, that sounds ideal. Mm, top end. But you can only choose. You're, you're, you can take someone with you, but um, but you can only choose between staying at home. You, you, you don't have to go to Magaluf on your own, but staying at home, you can only choose between Bez from the Happy Mondays or Stevie Nicks to look after your cat and your <laughs> plants while you're away. So who do you get to stay at home and look after your cat and your plants? You can only have either Bez or Stevie Nicks. I mean, what a choice. Uh, I mean, both make appearances on TV. Uh, by the way, if anyone is, is, has not experienced it, Celebrity Gogglebox on Channel 4, which I think is available on their, their All 4 service, Sean Ryder and Bez make appearances on it. And they are unusually domesticated. Quite a lot of their conversation revolves around what crisps they're going to eat. And uh, and they just they, they just look like two dads in slacks. I think one of them actually wears slacks. I do feel that the years of not being a dad in slacks have somewhat taken their toll on poor bears having said that i would much rather she look after my house and my plants and my cat because i feel that she would organize the hell out of it bears blessing would probably go to the wrong house so i think my answer is stevie nicks See, it is a difficult one bears would be kind to the cat but he might try and smoke your house plants Yes, um, I, I, that's if he got to the right house in the if first he got place, to the which right I'm not house. entirely convinced he would. Stevie Nicks would, she'd show them tough love, I think, the cat. Yeah, she might try, yeah, she might She have a roadie come round and build her a silk tent in your living room. <laughs> well, if she but leaves think, it behind, she's left it in a better condition than it was in the first place, I think place, she frankly. would look after your, your, your plant and your cats. Will give it. Now, finally, three mm. of three, you're snowed in, it's the middle of winter, Right. And you can't get to the supermarket. Oh. Two pop stars offer to get your shopping for you. <laughs> Who do you choose? Beetle Mop Top, Paul McCartney, or Stone's Wild Man, Keith Richards? I mean, this just isn't, you know, this is not exactly comparing apples and oranges. It's comparing sort of unicorns and refrigerators. There's no kind of sort of metric of comparing the two of them, really. It would obviously be Sir Paul McCartney, not least because he would probably, if you lived in a village, he would he would bring the whole village with him having a Hey Jude sing song as he, as he turned up with the organic food that he would have got for you um, from Waitrose. Keith Richards, you would never see him again, would you? He'd, he'd, no. he'd, or he'd, t he'd turn up at your house in June wouldn't he with them um, with some Tesco value bread I'm not entirely convinced by the way no that's not as that's not a slant on Tesco value Tesco value brand is excellent but um I yeah I feel that Sir Paul McCartney would be the person for the job with his bonhomie he would actually find your house I feel that that Keith Richards would be a bez to the power of 10 I think I'm, I'm not entirely convinced he would be a reliable source of food yeah, you've got this one right as well. Paul Paul says it's meat-free Monday, so he brings you a range of Linda McCartney vegetarian Yes, sausages. and they would be lovely, yes. They would be lovely. But Keith spends the £20 you gave him on a bottle of scotch and 20 Benson and Hedges. So Paul gets the vote. So you've done very well. You've got nine out of ten mm. um, on the uh, Angels or Devils, and you've got three out of three. 
I feel I knew too much for PJ Holby. I think that was the problem. Yeah. I, knew, I knew too many of the nuances of her history. That's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Coming right up, farewell, brown sugar. Mm. Why stop there? Let's keep cancelling. Um, that's that's next after Oasis.
I thought I'd atone for not picking one of their tracks when we talked about the uh, Nebworth documentary the other week. I love that. I think that people often sort of write Oasis off as sort of cheery kind of, you know, Beatle along sort of sing songs. And there's something that's very menacing about that and very heavy. They're not seen as a heavy band, but that is a really heavy tune, I think. And I think it's so atmospheric. I love the effects on it. The the video, one of the videos we saw of, of, ne- of them playing it live at Nebworth was fantastic. And I think that is a very underrated number from Oasis's debut, definitely, maybe. It's not, well, it wasn't a single. It isn't often talked about, but I think that is terrific. That was Columbia by Oasis really stands the test of time absolutely belts along i love that that's great as we learned over the last week over 50 years after it was written and having performed it live 1136 times the rolling stones decided to drop brown sugar from their set list when playing live due to its lyrical content now personally Mm. I think that's okay, as uh, I've long been a critic of their historic uh, misogynistic, misogynistic, uh, racist and grim natured lyrics. And uh, while they're about it, they might want to look at Star Star, Some Girls and a host of others. But Mm. here's the thing, concentrating on brown sugar. This is the thing that struck me this week, Jules. I wonder Mm. what you think about this. Brown sugar. It's a good riff. It's the second most played song behind only jumping Mm. Jack Flash in their live history. Yes, the lyrics are appalling. Jules, why don't they do what Elton did with Candle in the Wind? Just rewrite the lyrics into something palatable. You can keep the riff, uh, the, the bones of the song. Might even give them something they haven't had for decades, a hit single. Mm. And they could give all the profits to, say, as in this case, because of the previous content, to some um, good cause related to um, the the way women are treated in, in the world today. I, I don't think that's a bad idea, actually. And I, I know there are some people howling, saying that it misunderstands the the original context of the song, you know. But but I'm surprised that it's taken them so long to stop playing this because Mick Jagger was interviewed in 1995 and said, "I would write, I wouldn't write that song now. I I wouldn't write that song now. I would probably censor myself. I think I think, oh God, I've got I can't have got to start. God knows what I'm on about in that song. It's such a mishmash. Uh, all the nasty subjects." in one go if you were saying that in 1995 why were they still playing it up until up until now i don't really understand but um yeah it's it's that that is an interesting idea i'm not quite sure if it would work but i i like the idea of it it's it's not a song that's aged well and it and it's it's not i think they're right to drop it as much as it's a it's an amazing stomp along the the lyrics are not are not pleasant i blanch from playing it live if i'm djing because it's still people still dance to it but there is something about it that is that is is not pleasant i don't think but i'm not sure would people get on board with the remake i'm not sure but i i, I think that's an interesting idea i wouldn't be adverse yeah absolutely but well, i'm all for cancelling some of these awful songs <laughs> you know goodbye brown sugar um talking of elton i checked out his uh compilation greatest hits that coincided with the Island movie rocket man nobody's surprised island girl mm. no longer features in his greatest hits mm. nor at live performances so he's more or less cancelled island girl uh, thank goodness mm. himself the last time i could find it on a compilation was on a greatest hits package released in 2002 so sometime since then he's seen the light and just uh written it out of history um but uh, no let's keep cancelling jules do you have any other tracks that we can throw in the dumpster 
I, I do. I'm just having a look to see, um, interestingly, if they um, if if they have a. I'm just having a look to see if it's on their best of. But so the band Travis, I was always very fond of. Um, and again, seen by some as sort of, you know, non-threatening indie nerd kind of by the numbers, soft rock. Um, you know, why does it always rain at me at Glastonbury? All that mm. sort of stuff. Um, they Their debut album was called Good Feeling. Um, and that was sort of came out prior to their success with The Man Who and was not a huge success at the time. One of the singles was on it which was the second single release in good feeling is u16 girls oh. u stands for under 16 girls oh, i'm no, not no, going no. to delight us with the lyrics but it is i mean i feel they would not do that now and i suspect you know so i'm not criticizing them they had a singles compilation out in 2004 um they're only one to date I regret to inform you that Under 16 Girls was on it um, as track 13, which perhaps sums it up, really. Um, I would like to cancel that. However, I, I have this long-running debate with friends of mine. We have a sort of a songs that you never want to hear again list, but um, we we have two different lists, songs that you've always hated or songs that you once liked. So this isn't necessarily about cancel mm. culture. This is about songs that you once liked but have just been overplayed just forever that you and i remember tracy thorne tweeting um once when someone was dancing on strictly come dancing to a popular tune of the time she put at this stage of the proceedings i couldn't care less if i never heard get lucky again because it just it's played all the time there are certain songs the the intro just makes me run for the hills. Karma Chameleon by Culture Club. Yeah. The minute that I hear that intro, I just think I don't want to hear this anymore. Really, there are there are so, so there are songs I would like to actively cancel. Like U16 Girls. I don't know if Travis still play that live. By the way, I would be surprised if they did. I, I and again, I sense that you know what one does when one is young in a different time is perhaps different to to what they would do now. Um, it's very um. It's 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 an odd one, isn't it? There are there are some songs that you feel, oh well, it was very much a different time. But even if it was a different time, I don't really want to want to hear it again now. If you know what I mean, I, mm. I suspect you feel the same. Just having a look to see their last venue, they played at the Pool in London, England, in um, October 2020, and they only played four songs. None of them was U16 Girls. Uh, mm. They played in Trafalgar Square. Um, uh, and again, four songs, none of them was that. Um, they, I mean, they haven't played very much sort of recently, but looking at their their their, their sort of gigs in 20, November 2015, um, that song did not appear in the no. set list. And there were lots of their big hit singles that did appear. Um, that was not that. So perhaps, you know, it is always a, an easier thing when bands cancel themselves, isn't it, really? Or at least they realise that they just quietly drop songs. It's astonishing when you look back and you look into this because here's an example i'm throwing off the cliff from 1963 the crystals he hit me and it felt like, felt a, kiss. like a kiss oh and, and equally uh, 2009 a kiss with a fist is better than numb by florence and the machine i might not want to hear that again yeah. um he hit me and it felt like a kiss unbelievable that it ever got released this is the lyric if he didn't care for me i could have never made him mad but he hit me and i was glad 
No, thank you very much. Blurred no, lines, of course, so. blurred lines. Oh, yes, that's the ultimate. Necessary. Although, hilariously, when they were successfully sued by the estate of Marvin Gaye oh, for, yeah. uh, for got to give it up, I actually felt that they were very unlucky in that sense. Having said that, I feel that we, they'd sort of reached the court, reached the right answer by yes. the wrong means, I think, in terms of whether or not to still hear that. Of course, Tom Jones, Delilah. I felt the mm. knife in my hands and she laughed no more. Ouch. Goodbye to that. Thank you. Um, a whole raft, a dustbin full of Queen songs from the eye-wateringly oh, abysmal oh. and troublesome. Don't try suicide. You're just going to hate it. And oh. to the grotesque fat bottom girl. I was going to say that is my that is my yes. that is my thing. There is yeah, there are songs that we never hear and need to hear again. And actually, I can't remember that I've heard. I hear Queen on the radio quite a lot on you know either Magic mm-hmm. FM or occasional Radio Two or that sort of thing. I can't say I've heard Fat Bottom Girls on the radio. No, I, I, I so, so so maybe things maybe things just are quietly. Maybe we don't have to actively cancel things. Maybe maybe the, I was going to say maybe the real cancellation is the friends we met along the way. Maybe the real cancellation <laughs> is just quietly not referring to things anymore and oh, just yeah. uh, and just maybe there doesn't have to be a you know a, a big interview in which you say we're not playing this anymore because although I do uh, admire the point that that makes maybe mm. sometimes we can just forget about things we can just very quietly not play that song anymore i don't know what's wrong with these people i mean much much of the output of the stranglers eminem snoop oh, dog yeah. i was looking at some of his the other day my god stings early hits with the police there's a long long list but as you say yes maybe just uh quietly let them go away and mold in the in the vaults of history exactly and and in some cases when they go oh we know it's terrible they can't express it then people go oh it's terrible they can't play this song anymore i mean all of the bands that we're talking about including travis they all have so many hits that they can play there are so many other options that you can reach for that are still really good you know the rolling stones so they don't play brown sugar they've still got jumping stack flash they've still got i can't get no satisfaction they've still got all of those songs that people really love so so if you're an artist that has got loads and loads and loads of songs it's no skin off your nose surely if you've got loads of hits that you just don't play a particular one and if you're a new band and you've that's your one hit and it's objection and you can't play it why did you even make it in the first place is my question you make a good point but they've still got under my thumb and uh, well, a whole range of other ill thought got, out well, sixes and have it, well having said that maybe you know maybe they've got i, I sense the rolling stones have got enough non-problematic songs I am sure extensive right. back sure right. and i expect queen are the, if queen is still performing with you know with with paul rogers or, or adam lambert or whoever then they still have enough songs i think to be okay thanks for listening this week good to have yes. you along mac a thumbs aloft in my spare room at you listening thank you I don't think we'll be hearing Brown Sugar or Island Girl on Juliet's radio show this week. Uh, no, we, we won't be. Or, or any, you know, or indeed Fat Bottom or Girls anything or anything of that yeah. nature. Yes, indeed. It's it's good vibes all the way around, around these parts. 7 to 9 p.m. Mixler.com um, forward slash Juliet hyphen Harris. Or just search my name on there and uh, subscribe to my page. You'll get email notifications when I go live. And the show rule button will give you all of the previous shows. And that is smooth sailing this week. So, you know, like, like I say, very non-challenging things. There are occasional things that pull me up even on that. But uh, mostly, it's it's uh, you know tasteful contemporaneous and not it, well tasteful contemporaneous at the time. We do do a few modern things, but mostly you know just good vibes, yacht rock, easy listening, classic pop, all that sort of jazz really. 
between us we are the sort of sensor police going <laughs> yeah, around exactly snipping away at these people um to play us out uh madonna from the excellent ray of light yes i've been very much enjoying um trying to listen to albums i haven't heard in ages recently and so i, I listened to ray of light from start to finish and have not been able to listen to anything else since i've very much enjoyed it probably her best record i think all told william orbit's production really getting the best out of her and her voice on it and it was a much more reflective record than some of her previous albums it sort of reflects her increasing interest in spiritualism the cabal all that sort of stuff and sort of her having had a child that kind of it was she's sometimes written off as earth mother during this phase but i really i really like it i think that it's really stood the test of time it still sounds wonderful and there's her voice is deeper and so are her thoughts i think on on this record and this particularly is a really underrated song it was a single and i think it did reasonably well at the time but it was it's a really underrated thing in her back catalogue um it's it's wonderful i think this it's really moving but also a, a really stirring tune i think it's great this is madonna from ray of light released in 1998 and this is the power of goodbye
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs>